2: purdue global purdue's online university for working adults start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu
0: hey guys i'm kaylee shore and this is too much to say Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to our first ever holiday episode. Very excited about this. Very thankful for it. And I'm really pumped about what we're covering on this week's episode. Okay, so I recorded a completely different episode and then I decided I hated it. So this is round two, but I have a margarita this time and a lot more inspiration. So let's fucking go. On this week's episode, we will be counting down the top three most mortifying family Thanksgiving moments of my lifetime as well as diving into the things I'm most thankful for and the one upside of 2020 that we should all be thankful for. Okay, so family is family, in church or in prison. A wonderful quote by Casey Musgraves that I think we should all be thinking of as we go into this week. Whether you're seeing your family on Zoom or you're able to safely spend the holiday together, there's going to be some drama. I'm actually really interested in seeing how family drama plays out virtually, but I know it's still going to happen. Shockingly, I'm like the least dramatic in my family. I don't know how. Um, it's a miracle, honestly. I mean, I'm literally like dramatic for a living and I'll be sitting around and I'll be like, y'all need to calm the fuck down. Which is not to say I have my shit together. It just means that I can see the forest for the trees when it comes to a Thanksgiving mishap. However, there have been three Thanksgiving mishaps that will go down in the Shore family history as some of the worst of all time. I'm going to count from three to one and share these with you. Coming in at number three, we have the Pyrex incident of 2008. My mom is one of 10 kids, so Thanksgiving was always really big, and of those 10 kids, almost all of them are professional chefs. So, it's a really serious holiday. I actually think growing up Thanksgiving was a bigger deal for my family than maybe Christmas was, and I never had a problem with that. I love Thanksgiving. I, the only thing I don't like about Thanksgiving is that there is actually a physical limit to how much food I can eat. I'm not saying in accounting calories way. I'm saying in a at some point, my stomach will be like, No, you must stop. And I hate that. I'm a big, big Thanksgiving gal. So it is the day. Everyone's been counting down, getting their recipes in order. Everybody's been assigned something. And because there's so many people there, the turkey is an extra, extra big deal. Like there are no small turkeys in the family, there are just the giant, giant, giant one. And uh, something I didn't really know as a kid is how long a turkey takes to cook. Like, it's like hours. I mean, a full day. It's it's crazy. Whether you fry it or you bake it, it takes so, so, so long. So when something goes wrong with the turkey, there's going to be tears shed for sure. So my favorite thanksgiving side is stuffing and that's kind of the whole thing in my family our secret ingredient is bell's seasoning highly recommend that if you guys are looking to mix up your stuffing recipes it's so freaking good and so we put all the stuffing in the turkey but we also have like two other giant casserole dishes that we cook at the same time so we can just eat tons of stuffing and this particular year, we had them in glass Pyrex dishes. Now, Pyrex is a really useful type of glass. You can put it in the oven. However, everything has its limits. So we have these two on top of the turkey on the top rack. The turkey's like almost done. Basically, we're just keeping it warm. We're browning the stuffing. It's almost go time. My mouth is watering. The kids are getting excited. It's just, it's almost the moment where you get to all sit down and dig in. And something weird happens to glass scientifically. I'm not sure why. I just know that it happens. When it goes from getting really hot to really cold, it can break and vice versa. And so when the oven got opened, a rush of cold air went in and the Pyrex exploded. So not only was the stuffing ruined, but the turkey was underneath it. And there were just shards of glass everywhere. Like it shot out of the oven. So it was all over the floor. We're trying to sweep it up. And... It was literally just everywhere and it sounded like a bomb went off. So everybody was like so freaked out. We were just like heard this explosion from the oven. So needless to say, there was no turkey because there was a ton of glass shards in it. Now, my grandpa was really big on ham. Like he would take his ham duties very, very seriously. So we had ham that Thanksgiving and tons of sides and it was all well and good. But still, just I just saw the blood drain out of every woman who had worked on that turkey's face and they were just like, "Oh no." So that's number 3. Number 2 was a little bit worse. So, I'm in DC a couple of Thanksgiving's ago. This was the potato peel garbage disposal incident of 2016. We're at my sister's house and she lived in this gorgeous apartment building at the time in Crystal City and it Looked like something out of one of the Eloise Christmas movies, if you know what I'm talking about. Or like Home Alone. Like it was this very beautiful, older, high-rise. And it just was, it was very opulent. I really liked this place. It was awesome. And it had like, everything was gold and they were all decked out for Christmas. But there are some downsides to living in an older apartment building. Now my mother is, she's interesting. I'm So... (laughs) I'm trying to use my words wisely here, mom, I love you, but this podcast is called too much to say. And occasionally you're going to get thrown under the bus. And right now is one of those times. So we were trying to make things run as smoothly as possible. And my sister and I are very like, we're good at keeping things under control and she's the oldest and I'm the youngest. And there's a bunch of boys sandwiched in between us. So between the two of us, we've gotten really good at wrangling. And so we were like, okay, everybody's going to have a job. Mom's going to have a job that's going to require her attention the entire time so that nothing will get meddled with because she really likes to help. But sometimes helping isn't really that helpful, if you know what I'm saying. So we're like, she's going to be in charge of the mashed potatoes. So she's peeling like three pounds of mashed potatoes and no one's paying attention to her. Cause you're like, how can you mess up mashed potatoes? And we've had her mashed potatoes before. They're very good. So we're like, okay, we're going to put her in the corner and then set her up with that. And boom, let's go. Then we hear this God awful sound just like, I, I mean, gates of hell, but like, you know, that's a dramatic way to put it. But like, it was like, very it was like this grinding noise and we're like oh so my mother had turned on the garbage disposal after shoving three pounds worth of potato skins down it and you can't really do that in a regular garbage disposal but you most definitely can't do that in like an older building and we were like oh god and we're like, Mom, like, why would you think you could do that? She's like, Um, that's how garbage disposals work. I'm like, yeah, maybe on a different astral plane, but definitely not this one, Kathy. And we're like, okay, whatever. It got a little clogged. Oh, no, 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 no. Then the kitchen starts flooding. And everybody's yelling at each other. Nobody is their best selves in that moment. And we have to call a maintenance guy. But the maintenance guy was on call. He was At his family home, eating Thanksgiving dinner with his family. And he gets this call that's like, hey, our kitchen's flooding. And so he runs over there and helps us. And he had to like leave in the middle of his Thanksgiving dinner. And it was just so mortifying. And we felt so bad for this guy. And I could tell he was irritated with my mom. And my mom was like, why is everybody mad at me? And it was just a nightmare. And we were like, had buckets and we were like taking the water and dumping it in the tub and the bathroom sink. And it was just like, it was a whole fucking thing. So that is number two on most mortifying Thanksgiving memories. Coming in at number one, we have the butt grabbing incident. This one really takes the cake for several reasons. Okay. So It was my first Thanksgiving with my ex-boyfriend's family. It was my first time meeting them. So we'd only been together for three months and my mom works at a hospital. So she was working that Thanksgiving and he was like, hey, if if you wanted to, you could spend Thanksgiving with me and my family, which was really nice. And I was very thankful that I got to be included in that. But I was really nervous because I'd never met any of them before. And we'd been dating for three months and it was Thanksgiving. And I just like felt like very much so like an intruder. And I was just feeling really awkward And also I was a vegetarian and I didn't want anybody to think I was a diva. I'm really just a vegetarian for ethical and environmental reasons. I understand everybody's journey is different. I I would never judge anyone, but I was just like trying so hard to like not be obvious that I wasn't eating turkey and it was just this whole thing. So I'm finally starting to feel comfortable and I'm in a little circle with my ex-boyfriend, his mother, his dad, and his grandmother. We're all talking, laughing, having fun. His dad leaves the circle and turns around and starts talking to his sister. Then someone slaps my ass. And I, my boyfriend was directly in front of me. So it definitely was not him. And I was like, um, uh, and then I turn around, I see his dad and I have never seen someone look more mortified in their entire life. So when he left the circle, he inched ever so slightly to the right. And so then I was standing where his wife was and they're like, so in love they've been together for like 30 years and and they do shit like that all the time and (laughs) but he didn't know it was my butt and and he meant to slap his wife's ass which is hilarious instead he got his son's very new very 18 year old girlfriend's butt and honestly it was hilarious he was so mortified it really neutralized the awkwardness because i was on the other side of the awkwardness now and i was like oh okay well i guess we're all chill now But it was still very mortifying. And for the entirety of that relationship with that guy, I was able to hold that over his dad's head, which was fun. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey,
1: girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
2: get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the tonne. Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
0: So I love the concept of Thanksgiving. Obviously, I love the food, but I think it's so important to take this time to... Have perspective, see what you have around you that you should be thankful for. I am definitely not a big fan of the um, colonialism aspects of this, but let's just focus on the good part of Thanksgiving and not the, um, you know, the whole uh, massive oppression for hundreds of years of Native Americans. But this coming Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving is also Native American History Day. So take some time to educate yourself. It's it's really important in general, I, I'm really thankful that this year, as part of the race discussions that have really been coming to the forefront, that we've been talking more about how Indigenous people have been affected by racism. And if any of you have seen the term BIPOC, BIPOC floating around and you've wondered what that means, we all know that POC means people of color, but... BIPOC means Black Indigenous People of Color, which is an important distinction because all people of color have experienced racism. Every single person of color has experienced some form of racism in their lives. However, Black and Indigenous people, Native Americans, etc., have experienced a very specific type of oppression, and it is mass oppression, especially within America, and it's really important to talk about. So I'm glad that they've been included in the conversation. I myself am Manitoba native, which is um, in Canada. And I'm really not that much. But my, I believe, great-great-great-grandfather was an Irish immigrant to Canada. And he married a Native American princess, which is pretty cool. And I'm very proud of that. However, little the percentages, but what's really close to my heart is the Penobscot tribe up in Maine because my sisters are both 50% Native American and I grew up half a mile from the reservation and my family's a little all over the place, but they're my half sisters. So their mom was obviously not my mother. That's how that works. But she was so cool and and really um, had a lot of love to give. And even though I wasn't her daughter, she really treated me like one. And they lived on the reservation and she would teach me so much about the culture and it was really important to her to preserve that and teach my sisters about it and my sister Ashley who passed away she played um, the traditional drums which was really cool. She has this giant drum. Um, They did a really cool ceremony at her funeral that was just really beautiful and I loved being able to bring that part of her culture into something like that. But it's really really close to my heart. And because it is also Native American History Day, um, I want to share a little bit about the Penobscot tribe. The Penobscot tribe, they existed for 11,000 years in North America. They lived on the entire coastline from Bangor, Maine, all the way up to Canada. And there's some really cool folklore surrounding it. There's spirituality. There's some really, really beautiful sentiments. My sister's funeral was a traditional Native American funeral and it's just it's a really really beautiful thing and a lot of the tribe now is catholic but the crossover between catholicism and the you know spirituality that they've carried down in the tribe is it's a really really cool intersection and um highly recommend reading into it but they're an incredible tribe that's adapted over and over again they've always been resourceful from being part of the fur trade, which is when they were first introduced to the colonists. Then they became basket weavers. They were hunter-gatherer society, but um, they did have some agriculture at the beginning as well. And when the colonists came over, they were really a peaceful tribe. They were part of a a confederacy that was to protect against the Iroquois, which were pretty violent um, towards other tribes, but they were very, very peaceful tribe. And so when the settlers came over, they were really welcoming and they were able to profit off of that by the fur trade. And as they hunted more for fur pelts, they diminished the wildlife population. And so they had to get resourceful and get into basket weaving in order to keep earning money when there was just not enough animals to keep up with the demand. So that's what they gave the settlers, <laughs> and what the settlers gave them, uh, in addition to smallpox, they gave them alcohol. Now, this was a society that for eleven thousand years did not know what alcohol was. They never made it. Caucasian people and Europeans for, you know, I mean, it seems like, I mean, all the way back to Jesus. And long before that we had alcohol. We had wine, we had beer, whatever. it was it was an early discovery. And we've over time developed an enzyme that helps us break down alcohol because alcohol technically is a poison. I'm drinking a margarita while I say this, so don't think that's a judgment. But like, by definition, it's a poison to your body. But we have the enzymes built up to digest it. And that's why we can imbibe in uh, margaritas. But the Penobscot tribe did not have that. So when alcohol was introduced, they got fucking wasted. Like they were drunk off of one drink and they were like, oh my God, what is this? Naturally. I mean it's like it's basically what happens when we go to college and discover binge drinking and but we don't know how to drink yet because we're new to it. But imagine that coupled with the fact that their bodies literally couldn't handle it. But the settlers figured out what was happening and they were able to control the tribe and and manipulate them because of this newfound addiction. Which is so fucked in so many ways. And they were able to kind of like withhold it. And, and manipulate them. And, and get them to do things. Because they were like oh we'll give you this. And everybody got addicted to it. Because they had no idea how to drink. And their bodies had no idea how to digest it. And so now. Growing up in a city with a Native American reservation. The main racist commentary on the tribe. Is that they're a bunch of addicts. And. My sister was an addict. It was a culture that bred that because the settlers set them up for that. And even now, I mean, my sisters are 50%. So only 50% of them can really process alcohol, which is crazy when you really dive into the, you know, that's, that's an evolutionary thing. It's really fascinating, but it's also really sad. The Penobscot natives were able to get an $81 million settlement from the U.S. government back in the 70s, which they invested into cultural preservation and healthcare for the tribe, many, many other things. But I don't know if there's ever going to be enough retribution for what was done to the Native Americans. There's so, so many other things that I could dive into. Again, this is a cause that's really close to my heart. My adopted brother and sister, who are my sister's children, my my sister niece and my brother nephew, if you will, they're both twenty five percent Native American. So they can go to a state college for free under that treaty that the Native Americans made with the Americans. But there's still so much systemic oppression that happens to Native Americans. There's still so much racism. There's still so much that happens to Native American women and Thanksgiving is a great holiday, but also it's really important to remember what happened to native americans and i'm really thankful that that's a conversation that's being had in 2020 it's just as important as talking about the atrocities against black people in the united states and i really hope we get to a point where we're all aware of this and we can move forward and do everything we can to repair the damage that our ancestors inflicted on these people just wanted to take a little moment for that PSA. thank you so much For listening, I appreciate it. Now, with that being said, let's talk about Thanksgiving as a nice practice and not an effect of colonialism. The concept of Thanksgiving, to give thanks, to come together with your family, with your friends, to have perspective over the last year and think about what good has come into your life, that's a really beautiful concept. So every year for Thanksgiving, I like to sit down and write down a list of things I'm thankful for. But I like to take it one step further and get very, very specific. So I'm going to read you one of my favorite ones I've written, which was 2018. And I keep this next to my mirror and I look at it whenever I'm sad, just to remind myself that there's still happy things out there. No matter how upset I am, I'm like, okay, these things are always give me some serotonin, so let's talk about them. I'm thankful for my mom's voice when she wasn't expecting my phone call. People who go to dive bar karaoke every week. Mornings where I don't have to set an alarm. The fact that we can take pictures of other planets. People who don't care what they look like when they're dancing. Sleeping puppies. The ocean in the winter. Girls who give drunken pep talks in the bathroom line. (laughs) little kids who tell you exactly what they think, people who hold welcome home signs at airports for soldiers that they've never met, the color magenta, the smell of a brand new book, when you don't have to ask for help because they already knew, big soft sweaters that feel like a hug. Those are some things that make me happy. It's an exercise that I do, even when I'm just depressed and it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, I'd highly recommend it. And you know what? I would love to hear the wildly specific things that you guys are thankful for. And I think it's a nice challenge because it's easy to be thankful for the big things. Like Obviously, I'm really fucking thankful for this podcast and I'm really thankful for my record deal, but I'm also thankful that my little gray cat is sitting next to me and he's got his head resting on my knee and it's really cute. And I'm really thankful for Christmas tree scented candles and I'm really thankful for the leaves falling in my front yard. Little things like that. It just makes you notice that there's beautiful things all around you. There's always something to be thankful for. Even when not that much is happening in your life, even when a bunch of shitty stuff is happening in your life, there's still happiness, and it might be small, but that's all you need to get you through a shitty day if you really, really look for it. Now, 2020 has been a shitty year. That's no secret. I don't need to tell you that. I've had a lot of good things happen this year, which is odd, and I kind of feel weird about it because it actually has been one of the best years of my life in so many ways, even though it looks nothing like what I thought it would. But It's a shitty year overall. I hate seeing the suffering that's happening. I hate seeing the division that's happening in this country. I hate seeing, you know, all of this. It's just, it's really dark. So if you can't find something to be thankful for in 2020, you're not an ungrateful little bitch. Just like, it's okay. It's okay if you can't find something to be thankful for this year. But what I want you to remember is that next year, There's going to be some really big things to be thankful for because we're not going to take anything for granted right now. Like, I'm not going to take for granted going to a weird LA party where I don't know anybody and I give everybody a fake name and I drink tequila somebody else bought. I'm never going to take that for granted again. I'm really, I'm really never going to. I'm never going to take for granted being able to shake someone's hand. I'm never going to take for granted leaving my freaking house. I mean, there were several months back like <laughs> the beginning of this year when we literally couldn't leave. I'm never going to take for granted hugging my friends ever again or going home for Thanksgiving. Um, it, it definitely breaks my heart that I can't go back home this year. And I know a lot of you guys are in the same boat. So I'm sending my love to you. I hope you get to do something on zoom or FaceTime or call a family or friend um, it's definitely, it's definitely a shitty year. So it's okay to feel that too. It's okay. If you can't feel super grateful for things, you're not an asshole. It's just 2020. But one big bright side of 2020 is okay. And, and full disclosure, I actually really like this day, but like, you know, Thanksgiving Eve where everybody goes out to the bars in their hometown and you see everybody went to high school with, yeah, it's really fun. But the past few years, I had a couple, um, backslides to my high school ex-boyfriends. Cause it just like, I don't know. It was weird. It kind of felt like a game because dating in Nashville always scared the shit out of me because everybody knew everybody. And like, you know, I would go on a date with someone and then be set up to write with them by my publisher or whatever, anything like that. Or like, I always felt like I would start talking to a guy and then all of my friends had hung out with him and I didn't realize that. And I just hate that shit. Like if a guy's ever dated one of my friends, I'm not going anywhere near him. That's just, it's hoes over bros, uteruses over deuteruses all day. So (laughs) when I go back to my hometown, I was like, Oh my God, this is safe. Whatever. Like I already made this mistake 10 years ago. Might as well do it again. And like nothing bad happened, but like, I don't know. Like At 25, I don't think I should have still been hooking up with my high school ex-boyfriends. It wasn't terrible, but I think it really ran its course. Like, I think it ran its course back in 2011. And then I think it definitely ran its course back in 2018. So I'm able to completely stay out of trouble this year, which is really good. And I'm thankful for that, but I'm also really thankful that... We're not going to have those moments this year where like your ex can be like, oh, you should come over because it's like you can be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to catch Corona from you. And like, that's a good enough reason. So we all have an excuse to not. But exes over the holidays, they're fucking crazy. I don't know what it is. Like I had this one guy who like clockwork over Christmas, it would always happen like (sighs) December 21st, and he would hit me up, and he'd be like, hey, and it would always be like an Instagram DM. Like, it would be like the soft slide, where it'd be like responding to an Instagram story. Like, never like just a text like out of the blue, like, hey, how are you? It'd always be like a inside joke, slightly flirty response to a completely innocuous Instagram story, and then I would be like, oh my god, I'm not gonna fall for this again, and then literally like two days later, we were on the phone for like two hours, and I was like, writing songs about him again and all this stupid ass bullshit and it's just something about the holidays it's like I think that for this guy it was that he would go home and he would see that his younger sister just got engaged and his other younger sister had a baby and he'd be like oh my god I'm almost 28 and the only girl who's ever like cared about me that much I just treated her like shit. I don't know. Maybe I'm making this up in my head. But in my head, that's what he was doing. But either way, he'd reach out and it would be this whole thing. And then I'd come back and it would be like New Year's. And I'd be like, okay, so where are you? We're both back in Nashville. And he just fucking ghost. And one year, I shit you not, like slamming my hand down for emphasis, but I shit you not, we had a date planned. Like we were going to go hang out we were both back in town from the holidays and homeboy, like straight up stood me up. Like I was like, okay, I'm playing the show. I'll be done at X time. Hit you up. I'll come over. And I held up my end of the bargain. I texted him when I was done and he didn't say anything. And so I called him and he didn't say anything. And we literally had plans for like, it was like 10 PM or whatever, which honestly, in retrospect may have been a uh, red flag. Number one, cause it's a little too late to start hanging out with somebody. I'm just realizing this anyways. He doesn't answer the phone when I call him. And then he watches my fucking Instagram story. Like he had the freaking nerve to like watch my Instagram story. And I will never understand why men do this. Women don't do this. If I ghost a guy, I'm never looking at his Instagram story ever again until the day I die. And if I do, it's not from my account. I'm not doing it because I'm not stupid. And this guy literally, and I, I text him and I was like, Hey, um, you just watched my Instagram story. Like what the fuck? Like I literally thought we were about to like date again. Like it was like that serious. Like he'd been like all up in his feels over the holidays when he was back home and he comes back and chickens out. So he literally does not talk to me for the next few days. And I text him every couple days being like, hey, um, that's, this is really weird that you're doing this. I just want you to know, okay, bye. And then like two days would pass and I'd be like, mm, okay, this is like, you think this is okay? Do you, you really, you think this is an okay thing to do as an adult man to somebody you care about? What the fuck? And at that point I was just upset. Cause I was like, just say something. You can say anything. You can be like, Hey, fuck off. Or you can be like, I don't like you or whatever. Just say something. It was just like the full on, like hard ghost, hard stand up that I could not handle. Then homie reaches back out and he's like, I'm sorry. I was in the hospital. And I was like, "Mm, I'm sorry. My friend saw you at Tin Roof on DeMombrian. So you definitely weren't in the hospital. Like, just some dumbass bullshit. So this year, we're all going to be able to avoid that. I love that for us. No more backsliding around the holidays to ex-boyfriends. It doesn't have to be a new year to be a new you. It can be a new day to be a new you. Okay? Don't let the holidays cloud your judgment. Eat all the food you want. Don't fucking diet over the holidays. That is some bullshit. And um, do some research on Native Americans. That is my advice. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Kaylee Short. This is Too Much To Say. I'll see you next week.